I love what you shared, Rick, in the beginning about um, just what God's reminding you of, that the reason that you and I uh, have what we have is because of, of him. I was thinking of that last song that we were singing in, excess, in Excelsis Deo. You guys know what that means? You've probably been singing it all your life, but you have no idea what it means. Glory to God in the highest. And if there's any reason to glorify God in the highest, uh, it, it, it's the fact that we have been born again by him from above, out of his will. He has uh, brought us forth. Uh, when his son came uh, to earth in the flesh, which is what we uh, look at this time of the year, is the incarnation of Christ. Um, he didn't just come um, and live a per perfect life and go to the cross for the sins of the world to make um, salvation a possibility. He came and lived and died to make it a certainty that you and I would be found and recovered and, um, and so this is really what we enjoy, and this is really why we glorify um, the God who is on high, is because he has certainly saved us. He has definitely saved us uh, from what we deserved um, and what we were owed. And so uh, praise him that he sent his son this time of the year, which is what we're going to look at a little bit today, but we're going to look at it in a slightly different way because one of the, at least for me, uh, I, I think one of the pastors... Uh, biggest difficulties or anxieties is coming to the time of the year of Christmas or Easter and then trying to find something new or fresh, which I know sounds horrible because it is when you think about it. Uh, the, 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 there, there's definite reasons why we come together for Christmas and Easter. Uh, the incarnation's a big deal that we need to constantly be fixed on and reminded of. The resurrection of Christ is a big deal. So it's not like those ever need to be changed, but you're always looking for new and fresh ways um, to unpack those truths. Um, and so I kind of went sideways this year. Um, I was, uh, uh, the day after um, Thanksgiving, we have a tradition in our house that we go out the day after Thanksgiving. So while all of you guys are at Black Friday sales at four in the morning, which I'm sure none of you are, um, we, we don't even try. We don't go to town. We don't go to stores. We don't do anything. We actually go to the woods and we cut our Christmas tree down. So like for almost a month now, we've had a Christmas tree set up in our house and I was thinking to myself why um, and so I wanted to start by asking you guys this morning um, d how many of you have a Christmas tree set up in your house like not everybody right that's cool um, those of you who do have a Christmas tree set up in your house do you know why why do you do that to make things look pretty Oh, oh, it definitely makes things look pretty. Yes. Some of them don't. Uh, some of them aren't necessarily prettier. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's funny because a lot of us have no idea this thing that we do year after year and even grew up seeing year after year why that's there or what it's there for. It's to celebrate God. And so this is what I want to talk about today. All right. Um, there's a lot of people in our culture, uh, from different backgrounds and upbringings and beliefs that put up Christmas trees in their homes this time of the year and have no idea why. It is just what they do. It's just what we do. Um, some people say that the way your Christmas tree looks um, says a lot about you. Um, there was a stupid little article that I read. I'm going to read through a couple of these. Uh, 
that your Christmas tree says something about you as far as the size, the shape, how you decorate it, um, whatever. White lights on your tree says that you want people in your house to remove their shoes when they come in. So, so I, I guess you're like sterile, you're clinical, you're like super clean and whatever. Um, sterile. Multicolored lights says uh, you're an extrovert, that you're bold or outgoing. Um, blinking lights, uh, I mean, you can guess this one, that you have ADD, you know, if you have blink, blinking lights. Uh, handmade ornaments means that you have children. I think it definitely means that you homeschool, uh, probably, if you have uh, handmade ornaments on your tree. Uh, strung popcorn means that uh, that person does not have a job. Uh, they have way too, much, way too much time on their hands. Red balls only means you wish you lived in a department store. So you know it's true. You've seen those when you've walked into a house and just been like, what? Um, yellow star on top, you're traditional, maybe even uh, religious. Uh, the top cut off of the tree uh, means that you're lazy. You just straight up miscalculated and didn't want to take it back out. Um, I can attest to this. I actually did this one year because um, my wife likes really big trees that go all the way to the ceiling. And um, I'm usually pretty good at seeing it in the forest, even though it's completely deceiving seeing it out there um, and figuring where it's at. And I, I usually get it right, but there was this one year that I didn't. And uh, there was about another three feet on it. And I was just like in a bad mood and um, did not want to take the tree back outside, cut it, and bring it back in. So in, in my righteous anger, uh, laid it down in the living room, snapped off the top, and then threw it back up. It looked like it was going straight through the ceiling, which was actually kind of a cool effect. I was like, dang, that's actually kind of rad. Just meant I was lazy. So um, that, that, that's what that means. And, um, and, and then uh, another sign that you might be lazy is if you just simply have an artificial tree. This is where I might get booze. Um, when, when I was a kid, we always, uh, we grew up in Southern California, we would go to a tree lot by an already dead tree, because uh, those are shipped in from other places, they spend weeks in the back of a hot truck getting down to us, and the needles are already falling off, but we used to actually try, attempt to get somewhat of a live tree. When I would go to my grandparents' house, either one, they all had these little, like, one-foot uh, artificial trees that went up on a coffee table. And it's like, what's that? So growing up seeing that, um, I, all, I, I automatically thought like there was like a rule that if you were old, you had a small artificial tree, you know? So, um, and apparently that's not true. A lot of people like artificial trees for different reasons. Um, the question for us is, what does the Christmas tree have to do with Jesus, if anything? What does the Christmas tree have to do with Jesus? I mean, we don't have a verse in the Bible or any evidence in scriptures of the early church doing this or of the apostles promoting such a thing. So what is it? What does the Christmas tree have to do with Jesus? And some Christians would answer, it doesn't. It's pagan. It's wrong. Right? Uh, bah humbug. Right? These are, the, these are the fake tree people. They're not even fake tree people. Um, in fact, they would say, not only do you not have a verse for putting up a Christmas tree, but I have a verse for why you shouldn't. And that verse is found in Jeremiah chapter 10. Go ahead and turn there if you got your Bibles. We'll look, we'll look at it real quick. Jeremiah chapter 10. We're going to take verses 1 through 4. Many of you have heard this before.
Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 1 through 4 says, Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you. What's the next phrase? Well, if you have an ESV. <laughs> oh. What's, and what's the next part? Okay, yours is totally different than mine. Are we in chapter 10? I'm going to read mine. I'm not going to ask you questions. You ready? Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman, and they decorate it with silver and gold, and they fasten it with a hammer and nails so that it cannot move. This sounds a lot like what we, maybe, some of us do at Christmas with a Christmas tree. Therefore, Christmas trees must be bad, it says right there in our Bibles, right? The problem is that this is written about 600 years prior to Jesus even being born. Christmas wasn't even a thing. So, so first of all, whatever this is, it's not speaking to a Christmas tradition. It, it, it had nothing to do with the commemoration of the birth of a Savior. So what is it? Well, let's pick it up in verse 5. Their idols are like scarecrows in the cucumber field, and they cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do good. So this gives us a little bit more information about what's being talked about here. So what was it that you think that they were actually doing with these trees when they were cutting them down and bringing them in and setting them up and decorating? They were creating idols. They were creating actually graven images. They were making images of gods uh, to worship. Look again at verse 3. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a what? Now, I don't know about you, but I go out and I, I cut down my tree every year, but I am no craftsman. I just swing the thing until the tree comes down. What does a craftsman do? He works a piece of wood to achieve something. These people were creating graven images that they could worship. And that becomes clear as you read verses 5 and as you read verses 6. So they were being fashioned into the likeness of a god, a deity that they could worship, that they could bow down to and say, save me, fix me, help me, right? Question, when's the last time you prayed to your Christmas tree? Right? For me, it's been like 40 years since I've done that. <laughs> like it, I, I, I was young, uh, and I remember talking to the tree uh, when I was young um, because there were things I wanted really bad, and I thought the tree was the one that produced them. And so uh, it's, it's been a while. I, I doubt any of you today uh, pray to your tree or sacrifice to your tree or bow down to your tree, right? Never, ever. So, so um, the other side of it is can we make a Christmas tree an idol? And the answer is, yeah, we can make an idol out of anything because our hearts are idol factories. So we can take any object and we can turn it into an idol. Does it mean that a tree in your house, no matter what the reason is or purpose is, is bad? Hardly. That's not what, what's, what we should take away from Jeremiah 10 here. 
right? There's a difference between an object that's placed to commemorate something or to point us to something and an object that's placed there to be worshipped. Those are two different things. And the difference goes on here. It goes on right inside of us. Jesus was clearly, um, has clearly informed us throughout the Gospels that the object, no matter what it is, is not the problem. The object is not the problem. Our heart toward that object is the problem. That's the problem. If we fail to understand this, we will fail to see and observe and even use much of what we're given by God to glorify him with and to worship him with. Okay? For example, some of you don't want to hear this, but you're going to hear this. Did you know that in the early history of this country, of America, many of our nation's early fathers, primarily the Puritans, okay, believed that celebrating Christmas at all was wrong. That the whole thing was just wrong. It was pagan. You know why? Because they came over from Europe where the celebration of Christmas was already largely popularized and secularized and had, it had already become largely trendy and pagan under the influence of Prince Albert and Queen Victoria. So they just said, it's bad. They just threw it out, right? In fact, in 17th century America, back in, during the original 13 colonies, Christmas was outlawed. You couldn't do it. If you did it, you were fined. Like it, it, it hit you in your pocketbook. So it, it was against the law at, a, at one time in this country to celebrate Christmas. If you violated that law, like I said, you were fined. So shops were to remain open, stores to remain open, commerce to continue happening, businesses, services open. The only place that was to be closed on Christmas was churches. It was all basically heavily due to this Puritan conviction and influence which believed that if people weren't doing Christmas right, then the whole thing was wrong. The whole thing was wrong. It sounds like a pretty extreme position to take. It sounds pretty heavy. And, and, and look, I get it, and I think that some of you maybe get it as well. Um, I, I, I get sickened at what secular pop culture does with Christmas. Like, it, it's a bummer. It's disheartening. I get that today's Christmas traditions and meanings primarily involves pure fantasy. Pure fantasy that has nothing to do with God or what God has done for us. Nothing at all. Um, we have uh, flying reindeer that pull around a fat man through the sky. Uh, this, is, this is Christmas for most people. Um, and, and this large uh, fat guy has a secret army of, of little elves that work tirelessly in a workshop uh, somewhere in the North Pole to create by hand everything that you and I receive uh, on Christmas morning. Uh, what you and I receive on Christmas morning is directly determined upon whether you've been naughty or nice. That's, that's scary. Um, th this oversized guy um, actually enters your house with those gifts through a chimney. I've been a chimney guy for 25 years. I've never seen a chimney that he would be able to fit through, right? Like it's all, it's all pure fantasy. These are the things that we focus on and, 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 and call Christmas today. And when you really start to think about what it is for most people, it almost makes you want to ban it. <laughs> it almost makes you want to, want to throw it out. It makes you think twice about things. It makes you think twice about things like the Christmas tree that sits in your home. What's it doing there? So I want us hopefully just to answer just a couple questions, maybe just two this morning concerning the Christmas tree. 
Number one, where did the Christmas tree originate? Where did the Christmas tree originate? Well, as far as Christian history, and that's an important distinction, as far as the Christian history of it, it originated in the Middle Ages, so around 5 AD um, to the period of about um, 16th century AD, right in there, Middle Ages. In Germany and in parts of Europe, uh, there was a practice and there was a tradition going on in the church where once a year they would cut down a tree and they would bring it inside. They would put apples on it and they would put wafers on it. And that tree was called the paradise tree. It was called the paradise tree. It was a celebration that took place on December 24th, which at that time was called, it was known as what they were doing, the Feast of Adam and Eve. The Feast of Adam and Eve. The tree represented the tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve ate from that ended up bringing forth sin and death. The apples in the tree were the fruit, supposedly, that they were tempted by and ate, the wafers being the body of Christ, which ended up redeeming us from that first tree. The full redemptive story basically was, was found in what they put there. So they had this paradise tree, and along with it, they had the paradise play, where they would actually all get together, and they would reenact basically the Bible narrative from beginning, uh, from first tree to second tree basically, all right? And so that's what they would do. Then, in the 1500s, a man came along named Martin Luther. I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything this dude did not do for modern Christianity. <laughs> like, the dude just seemed to have done everything. This guy named Martin Luther comes along, and one night he's walking through the forest with his son, and um, apparently it's a really dark night, but really really bright and really brilliant with the stars. The stars were just popping, and they were everywhere. And he's walking through the forest, and he catches the glimpse of a silhouette of a fir tree with all these stars, like, basically, like, like coming forth through the tree and surrounding the tree, and boom, a verse came to his mind, a verse that we read this morning at the beginning. It's John 1, 4 and 5, which says, In him, which is the word, which is Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so his idea was, I'm going to light my tree up for my kids and for my family. And he went home, and he put candles in his tree, which is not safe but probably super cool looking. You know what I'm saying? In fact, on the way down here, on the, we, we take Huntington when roads are bad, right? So, so we do not pass one but two fire stations with their, inf their digital information boards on them. And both of them said when we passed them, use LED candles, not real ones, right? And I'm thinking of this coming down, like, they, like the fire marshal would not approve of this. Uh, so if you're a purist, be warned, all right? But this is, if you're a purist, this is the way to do it. You light some real candles, you put them in there. So he goes home and he places candles in the tree. So as far as we best know, the Christmas tree as you and I know it today, as we have it today, did not have its origin in ancient Babylon, did not have its origin at Macy's department store, but had its origin 
with the paradise tree, which was celebrated for years by the church in Europe, followed by Luther's evolution and modification of it by adding lights. So number two, the question becomes, what does the tree demonstrate? And I already like kind of gave this away. I just kind of answered it. We know what it demonstrated to Christians in the Middle Ages and to Christians following the Middle Ages. But today, what the Christmas tree demonstrates really depends on who you ask, right? Or when you ask them. If you asked me what the Christmas tree demonstrated when I was a kid, the answer would have been presents for me. That's what it was. It was a symbol that there was a payout coming in my home every day to look at, right? To me, outside of Christ, the tree was just like this, this magical, mythical, weird thing in my house that really made no sense when you think about it. But it didn't matter because it was just super cool to have this foreign object in the living room with presents underneath it. Like that, that was really all that mattered. All I saw when I looked at that tree was the very good potential of some new Star Wars action figures or um, a big wheel or a bike or a skateboard or a drum set. Yeah, everything that I asked for was huge every time. Uh, or, or an Atari. Um, like it was one of those things. It, it, the truth is it really didn't matter why the tree was there. <laughs> it only mattered that it had goodies underneath it, you know? Oh, and, and, and then it was, it was kind of cool to look at too, actually. It was kind of a neat thing to look at inside the house. That was a bonus. But not for Luther. Not for Luther. When he had the idea to light up his tree, it was because he saw Christ for me. Christ for me. For him, money was found in, in that which began as a symbol of paradise lost, right? That has now been displayed as a symbol of paradise found. Paradise found. The incarnation of God with us. Light in the darkness. And I have found in my Christian walk that when I, get, when I got saved, and I believe this is true for you guys too, I didn't just get my ticket punched to heaven. That wasn't the only thing that happened when I was born again. Um, and then everything went on like business as usual, but I got my ticket. Now, there was a lot more that happened when I was born again. I found that when I got saved, my brain got rewired. My brain got rearranged. My heart got rearranged. My worldview, the way that I viewed and interpreted the things around me and the world around me got rearranged. The lens that I looked through to see and interpret everything in the world was rearranged. I began to see a biblical narrative in everything, in everything. Whether it was when I would read the headlines or, or hear about the news or in my job, my vocation, what I did for a living changed, the way I looked at it. Or even when I watch a movie, even if it's a movie that has nothing to do with God or the Bible, I can't help but to have a biblical narrative a comparison going on as I'm watching that movie. doesn't matter what it is. Same with music. I can be listening to something completely secular. has nothing to do with God. And I'm still interpreting, bringing everything back, viewing everything that I'm hearing and seeing through the lens of a biblical narrative. That's not something I decided to do one day. And it's not something I taught myself. It's something that happened when Christ entered my life and entered my heart as he rearranged the way that I approached basic things and basic objects 
in my life. And I'm sure that this is true with you as well. That being said, whether a Christmas tree is biblical or not is not my concern. It's not my concern. But having more and more opportunities to see Jesus, to worship Jesus, to glorify Jesus in my life is what I'm concerned with. That is what I want to do. I want more of him, and therefore, I'm okay with more objects that point me to him. I'm all right with that because I, got, I have a good forgetter. I need to be reminded continually what I'm doing here and what he has made me, who he has made me, and who he is for me. And I, and I would guess that you guys do too. And so, therefore, I, like Luther, have no problem placing more of these things, like a lit tree, around me in my life that point me to him, that show me him. To give you an idea of this worldview thing that I'm talking about, which I'm sure you understand, when I hear the word tree, when I hear the word tree, my mind automatically goes to two trees. Automatically. I don't know why, I don't know how, it just automatically goes to two trees. One is the tree that brought the fall of man, and the other is the tree that brought about the redemption of man. Those are the two trees that I think about immediately when I hear that word. And again, I did not train myself to do that. Right? There does not exist to me any two trees more important than those two trees. The tree of paradise lost and the tree of paradise found or recovered. Therefore, come this time of the year when I see that tree in my home and I see it lit up, this is what's continuously on my mind. That's the whole point, is that it points to him. It points me to him. My mind goes to God coming in the flesh and living the life I couldn't and dying in my place. And with that thought, my mind never ceases to be blown away, quite frankly, that God, the creator of all things, who is over all things, would come down in the person of his son and live among those things that they may be healed, that they may be recovered loved, fixed. It's truly mind-blowing to think about, and I, I don't know if there's any uh, better proclamation of this than what we have in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8. You guys know this one, where Paul says, have, your, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a tree or a cross. Therefore, God, the Father, has highly exalted him, the Son, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To what? To the glory of God the Father. This is why I have a tree in my house this time of the year. Not to worship the tree or for that which is under the tree, but to further be compelled to worship the one who was on the tree, right? To bring glory to his name, to worship the one who was the life and the light of men who came into the darkness, not only to not be extinguished by the darkness, but to extinguish the darkness. This is what Christ has done in this world. This is what Christ has done for you and I. 
He's extinguished the darkness. Not only was he not overcome by it, but he overcame it. This is why my tree is lit. This is why Luther's tree was on fire. Even though the Christmas tree is a very nice, pretty, practical pointer to the tree of Jesus, it really doesn't do it justice, does it? It doesn't, pun intended, hold a candle to it, right? We go up and we cut our tree every year. We go up, I forget what forest road it's called. It's always the same one right off of Spring River Road, depending on how bad the snow is because they don't plow it. But we usually are able to get up there. And uh, we go up, I don't know, maybe maybe seven or eight miles until we start seeing firs on each side of the road. And they're not great. Like, it's not the best place to go, but a lot of it's just it's convenience. It's right up the, the road from the house. It's easy to get to. It's easy to get back from. And so we've been doing this for years. And we went up this year, and we found our tree. And um, this one was a little better than what we usually find. It, it was almost as though it didn't belong there um, because a lot of those firs up there are um, they're very light on branches, you know, um, which I kind of dig because if you're hanging stuff, then there's more room for those things to be displayed. And um, anyhow, uh, the one that we found this year was just unusually, it was full. It was, um, it was, it's like a real, it's a really good one. It's probably one of the, the best ones that, um, that we have found. But, but as great as it is, it's not a whole lot like what Jesus's tree would have been like right? I'm reminded of this too when I, when I look at my tree, that it's not a lot like his. Um, I talked earlier about how trees can say something about us, so I thought it'd be interesting to consider briefly what Jesus's tree said about him, considering that it was quite different from ours. Um, like I said, my, my tree, is, it's groomed. It's well-groomed. It comes home, I shape it, you know, Take a little off the branches here and there. Give it some. Give it some nice form. Um, it's groomed. It's trimmed. Uh, it's green. Um, it smells good, <laughs> right? It's somewhat alive. Uh, his his tree was not any of those things. Um, none of them. It wasn't attractive. It wasn't clean. Uh, it wasn't pleasant to look at. Uh, it was not groomed to be appealing. It was worn. It was stained. And it was constructed for one purpose, and that was to kill people. Um, my tree has, like I said earlier, well, maybe I didn't say this. We have white lights on our tree because I, I do like that clean, clinical, sterile look. Uh, I wouldn't make you take your shoes off, though. You came into my house. You're, those are fair game. You can wear your shoes. It's just a, a cleaner, less chaotic look to me. Um, but I, I'm still a sucker for the old school, you know, colored strands that I grew up with because I grew up with them. That's what was always on my parents' tree, right? Uh, Jesus's tree had one color, and his color was not white; it was red. Uh, his tree was red. That was that was the color of his tree. It was red with his blood. It was red with his life. It was red with his pain and his agony. The red of a sacrifice that had taken place. Um, the day that we went up to get our tree, there was snow, and there was still snow in the trees, um, which was awesome. We found it with snow on it, you know, uh, fresh, clean, white, perfectly displayed in its natural habitat like we'd like to th- think it to be. Uh, his was not. The boughs of his tree were not conceived in snow, but in sin. 
and offense and guilt. His tree was not conceived in snow, but what ended up proceeding from his tree is something white as snow for those who look upon it in faith. Praise God. Isaiah 1.18, know your sins be like scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. His accomplishment and perseverance on this tree has gifted you and I with a righteousness that is white enough to blot out the red. The tree that we got this year, like I said, was unusually full. Lots of branches. Lots of branches. Um, just a ton of them. More than we've ever, I think, had on a tree that we've cut down in this place. Um, we were able to hang and display more ornaments and lights than usual. His tree um, had two. Two branches. One for this arm and one for this arm. As if to say... I love you this much, which is exactly what he displayed when he hung on that tree, how much he loves you and how much he loves me. And I can't help but to think of that two-branched tree and him on it when I look at mine, even though it's radically different. Um, there is no better gift to be unwrapped at anyone's tree than this one, the one that was on the tree. You will not find anything better underneath it. The real gift is on the tree, and it is Christ. And this is why I have no problem with having a tree in my home this time of year, to be reminded of the tree that he bore so that we can have life. I hope that, that maybe we have a better or, or maybe just a renewed understanding as believers a little bit as to why we put a tree in our homes. If you don't, that's fine. Like, it's not a Bible verse. You know, it's not, it's not something that's, that's been hand, handed down and ordained for the church to do. But I, but, I, but I do enjoy looking for more pointers and reminders to things that I need to be pointed to and reminded to in my life. And this simply does that. It's a good reminder to know that we have a bigger, better, maybe have a bigger, better understanding of the, that the real gifts aren't under the tree, like I said, but the real gift was on the tree. The real source of glory and beauty is not found in how great our tree was this year or is this year or looks this year or how well decorated it is, but how great his tree is, how great his tree is and how well he decorated it for us. What he accomplished on it and what he's done through it. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This is the gift that keeps on giving. Merry Christmas. Appreciate spending the morning with you guys today. Continue praying for those who aren't feeling good right now and that are sick at home. And um, think of a way that you can carry this message to others this week, that you can serve others this week the same way that the Lord has served us. All right. We thank you, God. Um, though this is, this is really the reality of what we've heard today is, is nothing new for us, and yet uh, in a way, it, it, it should be new and fresh every time we hear it, as if it's the first time, because it's such a, such a 
inexplicable gift. Um, it's such an incredible um, gift that you would give yourself, that you would enter that which you created and you would be mistreated by that which you created while here so that you could recover us. And so I, I, I pray that this uh, would, would just wash over us um, and do its work in us in a fresh way this Christmas season. Uh, that we would know exactly what it is that we're thankful for, what it is that we're joyful for, what there is to be so, uh, to, to have so much so excitement about this time of the year, which is you, uh, which is the fact that you've, you've made us yours. Uh, and so we thank you. We thank you that our, our sins no longer exist before you, but they ran red at the cross, um, that we are white as snow uh, because of what your son did. And so we thank you for your, your love, which is beyond us and continuous. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.